Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. First of all, I want to say thank you to all of you for giving us such fantastic feedback on the podcast we did yesterday. And if you've not listened to that one, you definitely, definitely want to go back and listen to that podcast. I suspect um, it'll probably be one of our, our most downloaded and listened to podcasts, certainly for this year. And it is 15 reasons why there will not be any kind of real estate crash. So if you've not listened to that on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify or over on YouTube, please go and listen to all of those points. Those points were not puffery or really opinion pieces. They were based on facts. And it's incredibly important that you understand that for your own, I think, mindset, but also when you're uh, talking with consumers. Because the reality of it is, is this is going to be historically one of the best times to buy a house. And I'll just encapsulate it like this. Yes, of course, last year was even better. The year before, maybe mm-hmm. even better. But you know the old uh, old story is the best time to plant a tree if you you know is now versus ten years from now, and that's kind of the way of thinking about what's going on in the housing market. Because I read several reports yesterday that um, because of the inflation that we're experiencing right now, it's believed to be over twenty percent. We've talked about that on this podcast before. That if you're looking at really what the hypothetical inflation or let's just use real estate terms appreciation will be on a house over the next say 24 to 36 months it could go up by as much as 50 percent so if you think houses are expensive now and if you don't believe there's going to be a real estate crash then imagine how you'll feel 24 or 36 months from now if you had not purchased a house and it's that much more expensive. And that's kind of an interesting way of thinking of it because it'll keep your head screwed on straight. And if for no other reason, you should be encouraging your clients to be purchasing homes because right now for the first time in Julie and I's 30 years in the real estate industry, it's actually cheaper for most Americans to make a house payment even at these higher interest rates than it is to rent the equivalent house. That's never happened before, at least in the last you know 30 years, Jules and I have been in real estate, either selling or coaching agents. So what we're going to be doing today and probably for the next few days is we're going to be talking about the 14 shifting market rules. And these rules are designed to help you keep your head screwed on straight. But really what these are designed for new agents, you don't have anything to deprogram. You're not going to have to have a bunch of, you know, stuff in your attic that Julie and I are going to help, you know, have to force clean out, right? The more seasoned agents, you're the ones that are going to be struggling. And by seasoned, I mean, anyone that's been in the business for more than 24 or 36 months, because all new rules are starting. By the way, the old rules are coming back into play and the rules that were essentially applying to the market for really the past 14 years, those rules are going to be replaced by the rules that were in the market prior to that. You'll understand more as we present these points. That's right. And we recognize that many of you have never actually for reals experienced a shifting market. So we're taking that into consideration with these points. And before we get started with that, a special shout out to Chris Leone in Chicago because he used the podcast uh, that we just presented on him being a guest on somebody else's podcast to use knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear, so that he is the one who's being the leader. So here's, before we get to our first point, I want you to remember, don't overreact. The market is shifting, not crashing. There's a big difference. Knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. If you expect buyers and sellers to transact with you, you must be educated, motivated, and proactive. So point number one, 
More days on the market do not equal low ball offer time. This is a mistake some of you are already making. You'll probably pay list price instead of over list price. You might be able to have it inspected and possibly not have to guarantee the appraisal gap. Don't lose again just because you're getting too aggressive too quickly. The market is not crashing. Inexperienced buyers, absolutely. Inexperienced is a great point, Julie. Inexperienced buyers agents, do not try to uh, woo buyers to work with you because you're somehow going to be the greatest negotiator ever and get them the deal of a lifetime on a house. Because what's going to quickly happen is you're going to lose, you're going to lose the time you spent with those buyers and then you're going to be right where you started except now you're going to have some wounds to lick. So do yourself a favor and do educate buyers using facts. Do educate sellers who are thinking about buying. And you know, that's the whole point of being a real estate professional. Make sure you are applying what we taught you yesterday, hopefully on this podcast, you listen to it and these points today. And don't make your life so complicated. It really, <laughs> yeah. here's the thing, guys. A market like this is one of the best markets to be in because of all the changes that are happening. So if you don't uh, emotionally fight the changes and you start adapting to what the new market is demanding of you, then you're going to win. And you're going to win while everyone else is sort of hoping and praying the market returns to the way it was. And that's what we're experiencing right now. And it's this uh, whole industry, right? The real estate industry agents, they're being forced to adapt to this new market. So if you're feeling any kind of stress and strain in the marketplace, from maybe you're a great listing agent, you have lots of houses and contracts, but the buyer's agents are a little bit frayed on the edges. It's because they're not adapting. It's because their buyers aren't adapting. Why? Because knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear, and they don't know what's going on in the market, let alone how to counsel uh, their real estate clients to follow what essentially are these new rules of uh, how to get a deal and contract. That's right. So the subtitle to these points might be how to not lose your clients, buyers and sellers in a shifting market. Or your sanity. Or your, and or your sanity. <laughs> yeah. Point number two, set your seller's expectations for two scenarios. Yes, it may sell right away, possibly with multiple offers. However, if it does not sell right away, what does that do to their plans? Understand your seller's motivation and time frame, and discuss different scenarios, of course, after you have the listing signed, but before the first showing. Important point there. Now, it, we did um, show you guys yesterday on the podcast that the average days in the market, I think if I remember correctly, I don't know those notes in front of me, is 13. So that's still hardly any days at all. Uh, but your expectation of your uh, sellers might be that it's going to be like 22 minutes with 100 competing offers. Right. So if you can go to them and say, Mr. Seller, the average time in the market before we get it in contract is going to be maybe a couple of weeks and you tell them that ahead of time, that's going to set the expectation realistically. A smart agent's going to even push it out further than that and say, in this market, Mr. Seller, depending on the market conditions, it could take two or three weeks to actually get a, vi a, a verified acceptable offer in your place. Even after that, the average days on the market before it actually closes is around 60. Julie and I are monitoring these numbers. Uh, we have the, I think we have a, a incredible group of agents that Julie's personally coaching around the country and we're getting great real-time feedback and a lot of these are fantastic listing agents. So we're getting very, very leading edge information and that's what we're interpreting and then sharing with all of you guys on this podcast. By the way, Julie does have two spots open if you're interested in being one of Julie's personal coaching clients um, and that's you know somebody who is going to be absolutely focused and absolutely willing to do what it takes to survive and thrive in this market because of this market. If you're somebody like that, you could be a new agent, but most likely you're going to be a more seasoned, grizzled agent. If you're really, really, truly ready to take your business to the next level, text me directly at 512-758-0206. 
512-758-0206. I'll ask you some light pre-qualifying questions, and if I think you're a good fit, then I'll schedule a call with you and Julie. So this is only if you're ready for the challenge of being coached by what many people uh, consider the nation's number one real estate coach, my beautiful wife, Julie Harris. Just text me at 512-758-0206. All right, so point number three, prepare your listings as if you have more competition. And in many markets, they're starting to see more competition. I've seen Austin's inventory go from 500 to 1,100 in less than 60 days. Good news is the days on the market are still pretty low. I think there's still less than two weeks. But prepare your listings as if you have more competition. Buyers are getting pickier and will pass on a home that seems neglected, especially if they think there's more coming on the market. Buyers are starting to believe that there's going to be more inventory soon and may pass on something that's not quite right for them. Proper previous preparation prevents pitifully poor performance, the seven Ps. So make it shine. Even if you think you don't have to, your seller will thank you. And I, I'm saying this to listing agents who some, not everyone, especially my coaching clients, I know they're being very careful about this, but there are some listing agents that if we're being honest, have gotten a little bit lazy about prepping a house and assuming that pretty much anything will sell simply because it's available. That's starting to change. Well, they've never had to sell real, they've never had to list and sell real estate in a market that was starting to favor buyers. They've never had That's to, right. you know, in an adjusting market. So all, again, guys, all the rules have changed. You're gonna to have to take the advice, what Julie's offering to you, and prepare the house at the highest level because if there's three or four houses the buyer's able to choose from, even in a still ridiculously hot seller's market, and one little silly thing's out of place on that on your listing, it could just be something that maybe you didn't even think would be an issue. Sometimes it's a pet smell. Sometimes it's just too much furniture. It's just little silly things. Mm -hmm. Those tiny little things could be enough to emotionally cause a buyer to detach from that house and buy your competitor's listing. And the real problem is, is your sellers are going to quickly blame you. They're going to mm -hmm. think you're the problem because they have been conditioned over the past decade to think that their house is the you know greatest thing since sliced bread and should sell with 100 competing offers, which goes back to what we were talking about before, that you have to be educating your, uh, your sellers in particular to have realistic expectations of days on the market. But you have to be thinking all about all this stuff ahead of time. So when you walk into a, you know, again, it goes back to the seven-step listing process. It goes back to the whole process that we teach you in Premier Coaching. By the way, many of you are ready to join Premier Coaching, and I'll just keep this brief. Um, you know, we're seeing a huge influx of agents that are joining Premier Coaching because of the changing market. So if you're ready to join Premier Coaching, it's around $100 a month. And yes, that depending on how you choose to join. And yes, that does include a daily semi-private coaching call. Text the word Premier to 47372, text the word PREMIER to 47372. And again, this is a coaching program that's designed specifically for a market that's like this, that's adjusting. PREMIER coaching works in all markets, but most of our best content really truly is designed for a changing, shifting market. It gives you the competitive edge that some of you, you know you've been, you know, you're lacking that. You know you're lacking, you have a skills gap. You can feel it when you're talking to people and you're having to struggle with how to explain a particular market gyration to somebody. That's what being coached is all about. You need to, again, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. You wanna be confident in having conversations about all kinds of different things that might be causing other people stress. And that's how you're gonna win in a market like this. That's right. So to put a cap on point number three, which was prepare your listings as if you have more competition. Remember that many of you are seeing more competition. The main point to this is that 
different than previous years, buyers now believe that there's going to be more inventory and that makes them a little bit more hesitant than what we're used to. All right, point number four, you must be more careful about accurate pricing on your listings. Do three comparative market analysis, perhaps more if your time frame is stretching out. A listing presentation you go on today where the seller will take 30 days to prep the home will require you to revisit the price before you actually launch it as a new listing. In a shifting market, that may adjust up, down, or stay the same depending on what your comps are in between with all those days. So what do the new pendings and the new sales tell you? You've got to revisit that and sometimes three and four times if it's not being listed today on your listing appointment today. And again, we want to be very clear, and I know this might sound confusing, but based on what we're saying today, you might be thinking that we're going to tell you there's going to be some sort of adjustment downwards in the pricing of homes. We don't believe there will be. We believe that there's going to continue to be a abnormal amount of inflation in real estate, which is going to last the next two or three years. And that does mean that very likely that home today is going to be worth 50% more than it will, you know, uh, three years from now, or maybe even two years from now. If you don't believe me, look to see what real estate has done over the last 24 months. Look to see how much you are now paying for everything versus 12 months from now. It's not, the inflation isn't just in groceries or in fuel. It's in everything. Utility prices, everything's going to go up. Uh, we just had a friend tell us that he thinks that airline tickets have gone up by more than two or 300%. That is inflation. That is, it's not going to just all of a sudden level off. And the main thing is with inflation, don't expect the prices to adjust back down to where they were. That's not how this actually is going to actually play out. So it's important that again, you keep yourself on the leading edge of what we're experiencing now. The whole point of yesterday's show and today's uh, podcast and, and tomorrow's and probably the next days is to make it so you can understand that it's not that difficult to be wildly successful because of a market like this. All it takes is for you to let yourself have open up a space in your mind to tell yourself you can be as successful as you choose to be in a market like this. There's nothing holding you back. Yes, a lot of the things that maybe you were doing before to generate transactions, um, it isn't working anymore. A lot of the lead generation stuff, a lot of the branding, a lot of the things like that. Those types of things you need to set by the wayside and focus on what's going to be putting a, a commission check and putting you in a position to help somebody in the next 60 to 90 days. That should be your new rule. If it's something that's too far out in the distant future, you shouldn't be wasting your time or your money on it because there's a very good chance that it's not going to work or frankly, you're going to wish you would have been putting your money and your effort towards things that will actually put you in a position to help people make money now. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. What you don't want to do is make the assumption that today is going to be just like last month, which was just like, you know, last month. So if you are right now, okay, mm -hmm. so we just yep. gone over day one. Now yes. I want you to tell me if you're on a coaching call with somebody, mm -hmm. and let's say this is somebody that has a very consistent three to five listings at all times, maybe 10 to 15 listings at all times. My typical clients, Your yes. typical clients, exactly, yeah. your personal coaching clients. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, they, let's just say, again, your typical coaching client, they haven't been in the business for maybe five years. Mm -hmm. They haven't been in the business certainly long enough to experience a true buyer's market. Sure. So what are the top three things that you're telling them to do in a market like this, other, I mean, obviously these 14 points is what you're telling them to do. Yeah. But beyond that, what other things are you doing that's maybe not on this list from sure. a personal or a personal financial mm -hmm. perspective? Yes. Well, as the interest rates have been rising, people have indeed been losing the weaker buyers. Buyers who are very payment sensitive and buyers who are, you know, already stretching. So one of the first things that we're doing as a new coaching client is making sure that they're using wipe off boards, their visual accountability, and really getting serious about, you know, a lot of them will say, I've got 12 active buyers. 
Well, when you really drill down and you see who's serious and who's not, you might honestly have like four quote real buyers. And remember, not every buyer, not any buyers actually have to buy. Well, let's talk about that. But okay? we're sifting and sorting like who who is out of the market when rates hit five and a half percent. You're so what you're what I'm hearing you say mm-hmm. is you're you're uh, coaching your clients to pre-qualify at a much, much higher level. Yes. But it's not just a financial pre-qualification, it's an emotional pre-qualification too. So talk about that. Now, again, Julie just said something, hopefully you guys were listening. There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Um, and if you work with buyers that aren't gonna meet some of these things, uh, criteria that Julie and I are about to share with you, you're gonna find yourself, frankly, losing an entire year working with buyers that aren't motivated. And they, they're not doing, they're not, you know, don't ever say buyers are liars. You just didn't have the skill set. You didn't know what questions to ask them to help them self-discover that their motivation wasn't actually what you hoped it would be. And that's mm-hmm. what happens a lot of times is agents will work with buyers who you want to convince yourself are actually going to transact. But the reality of it is, is they're not that, they're not, um, it, the slightest breeze, the slightest headwind right. is going to put them off direction and they're going to decide to, to chill. So the point Julian yep. made, and this is really what you have to remember, if you're primarily focusing on buyers and a market like this is going to be incredibly difficult because there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. Buyers can always uh, stay tenants or they can always, you know, if they're house, they have homes uh, that they're living in that they own, they can just stay in that house. Do you guys get it? There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy because they can just keep their present living situation as it is. Maybe they have to go from one rental to another. Those things obviously happen. But there are dozens of examples of sellers that absolutely have to sell. This is one of the tenets of our coaching business is if you can, you have to choose where you're going to put your best energies, choosing your best, uh, putting your best energies towards, you know, here's your choice towards people that can change their minds and often do, especially in times like this, that would be buyers or putting it towards sellers that absolutely positively have to sell. And even if, you know, essentially the psychological or financial pain of not selling is greater than whatever the inconvenience and psychological pain is of selling. Did I explain that well? Absolutely. That's correct. So, and I'm going to talk more about listings in a second, because to answer your question, what three things or so are we working on to deal with today's market and make sure that they're moving forward? So though, yes, absolutely. Your prime directive is to become a powerful listing agent and to have more listings. One of the best things about this changing market is that, I mean, this is gonna sound insane, right? To many of our listeners. Yeah. One of the best things is that listings are taking a while to sell Mm -hmm. in many markets. Now, maybe not the first time buyer stuff because that's going fast, but it's taking two, three weeks and sometimes two or three months. I know they're shocked to hear that, but why is that a really great thing? Because now for the first time in a decade or more, you can actually build listing inventory for yourself. Now, why does that matter? Off your for sale listings. Yes. Okay, so what what we teach in coaching is each listing that you take should give you at least one more listing almost immediately in that same neighborhood, if not very quickly after you sell it, because of all the things you can do with the listing, because of all the things um, that spin off from a listing different than working with buyers. Well, you can sell your own listing. Chances mm-hmm. are that seller of that listing you took has to buy a house. Yep. Um, and then that could actually create a, you know, a whole dominoes, a series of dominoes of other transactions. But what Julie's talking about can only happen if you're focused on list, uh, being a listing agent. Only if, as a listing agent who's actually going to take the time to do things, you know, like put a sign in the yard. Yeah and return calls and use a system like 1-800-HOMEHOTLINE.COM. In other words, you're going to actually proactively generate leads off that listing. You're gonna do open houses. You're gonna follow some of the free lead generation plans we have. The interesting thing that's happened, and this mm-hmm. didn't happen, this is only since really Zillow started selling buyer leads. Yep. Buyer leads 
leads in general have no value. Mm-hmm. I know that's shocking to most people, but they have no value. True. Pre-qualified, frankly, seller leads have value. Buyer leads are the, the least valuable, but sure. they're what agents pay the most money for. Mm-hmm. And why? Because they've never learned how to generate their own buyer leads. So I'm going to tell you guys the hack. Ready? <laughs> if you want to have an endless stream of buyer leads, which frankly, I don't know how you'd want that. But if you did, take one listing, take five listings. You will have so many buyer leads, assuming you know how to generate off the sign, assuming you know how to actually generate off having that listing. That's what we teach you in Premier Coaching. You will never have, you'll laugh at, <laughs> frankly, yourself that you even considered buying buyer leads in the past. Some of you right now, because you don't have any listings, are being very tempted to respond to that email from Zillow or that phone call from whoever that's offering you a buyer lead. Julie's got a license, a real estate license. We get the same you know, goofy emails and solicitations as well. Don't just say no, say hell no. Learn how to be a listing agent and you'll never have to even have the idea of buying buyer leads cross your mental radar again. If you are not going to do that, chances are you're not going to make it through this transition. That's right. So case in point, because I see this already happening, and that's why I'm so excited for a 30 to 60 day on the market cycle. I mean, that's like the biggest blessing I've seen in more than a decade. For sure. For for listing, for all agents, but for listing agents. So case in point, Tammy Irby, Northern Virginia took a listing. I think it took her maybe two weekends to sell this. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) But uh, it was a million two. Okay. Beautiful home. She sells just gorgeous property in Virginia. She has immediately taken the listing across the street for another million two. Okay. Because they saw what she did with the neighbors open. She kills it on open houses. It is everything that we coach to do and opens and even more stuff. Very systematic approach. Which is included in the Premier Coaching Program, our complete open house system. Sounds rudimentary, but in a market like this, incredibly powerful. Yes, and, and she's utilizing something that works really well right now, which is open houses, as we've talked about on previous podcasts. Immediately spun into the next listing. That is exactly what is supposed to happen as a listing agent. Why am I excited about 30 to 60 days? Because it was happening so quickly, it was harder for you guys to uh, create a listing off of a listing. There, you couldn't build momentum. You couldn't build momentum. And because the coming soon was gotten rid of, you couldn't pre-build momentum. There were a lot of things where your, your wings were a little bit clipped. And that's going away right now. So what else are we coaching? Take more listings than you're used to taking. Set a specific goal. All of my coaching clients have a specific goal, your magic number. We are raising that by 20 or 30% now because you can, because it's you know taking a little bit longer to sell without that being the end of the world. I, I think really the perfect market is right at about 30, 60, maybe 90 days on the market because you have time to lead generate off of your listing. The challenge, as we're talking about on this series of podcasts, is actually having a relationship with your seller for more than a week. So that's what this series is. Again, listen to what Julie just said. You have to do the work with the seller ahead of time, psychologically conditioning them to the new realities of the market. Without freaking them out. Exactly. And by the way, I'll give you a little secret. Don't be giving them these new realities of the market in Technicolor until the listing contract is signed. Otherwise, what will happen is some other agent's going to come in there who's ill-informed most likely, uh, or maybe just trying to be a little sketch with how they're competing for the listing, mm-hmm. and they're going to blow sunshine up that seller's butt because their only objective is to get the contract signed. So if you have to shed light on the new reality that the seller might have an emotional issue with, do get the contract signed, do let them know what their new reality is, and then you know explain to them that's just normal. That's just what's happening right now, and they don't need to live in fear. But you got to remember, 
Other agents in some cases are going to be blowing fear in their ear. They're going to be reading headlines, blowing fear in their ear. They're going to be hearing it from their sellers and their friends and all the rest of it. What do you mean your house hasn't sold yet? Yeah. That This is the psychological, this is the doctor filling aspect of uh, essentially selling real estate in a market like this that we mentioned yesterday on yesterday's show. The really good listing agents are very good at not just following procedures in the seven step listing process and knowing what to say and how to say it, but they're also very good listeners and they're also, it's it, here's a, a, a great rule. Uh, show emotion without being emotional. So sometimes you're gonna be dealing with people who are very emotional, that's called normal. What you need to realize is you can show emotion, Mr. Seller, I'm so sorry you're going through this, or Mr. Buyer, I'm so sorry, this is the other thing, the other thing, right? Show emotion, show compassion. I just did a bad job showing emotion and compassion, <laughs> didn't I? It's right? okay. Maybe you can role play it better. Yeah. But then don't absorb it. That's the key, is don't absorb it. So well, show- you acknowledge it without jumping into the ring with them. Yeah. Right? So I appreciate where you're coming from. I completely feel you on this and I'm, I'm concerned. Can I tell you why? You can have those conversations without exacerbating the drama. That's not your job. Your job is to not be their emotional sponge. Correct. A matter of fact, it'll make you ineffective as a professional the more of emotional sponge you become because you're going to essentially have no real emotions left for yourself or for your family or for your loved ones because you're going to have allowed these other people. This is what these types of markets bring out. These types of markets bring out a lot of raw emotions amongst practitioners, just the general public, everybody. People are not conditioned to have to deal with change, period. Most people live their entire lives trying to avoid anything that even remotely resembles change. Remember the old statistic from, uh, I think it's Social Security Administration, that most people are born and die within like a 20-mile radius of the exact same spot. And this, by most people, it's like over 90% of the population or mm-hmm. something. But that right there is evidence that most people do not like change and try to avoid it their entire lives. And it is what it is. I'm not judging or saying good or bad or anything like that. It is what it is. But understand, when people are feeling pressure from inflation, be introspective and think about how you feel, listeners. Pressure from inflation, pressure from maybe the nature of the you know transactions closing or you know essentially uh, how long they're taking to transact. Everything's changing basically because inflation is going to readjust everything. Everything's going to become more expensive. A lot of people that were operating on very thin margins are going to go out of business. These are the types of things that happen in an economy like this. That is going to create an omnipresent, constant. Uh, sort of sense of stress for a lot of people that they're not going to be introspective enough to realize is floating right in their psyches. They're not going to know it. And everywhere they turn, all their friends, their family members, they're feeling it too. They absorb it from them. They turn on the press, they're absorbing it from them. They turn this direction, that direction. That sense of sort of low level stress is something that you have to be introspective about and filter so you don't absorb it. Because if you absorb it, you can acknowledge it, you can see it, you can recognize it in other people, but if you start absorbing it, you're not going to be um, as effective as you otherwise would have been. Because what happens when people act like that? They go into a state of fear and fear leads to inaction. So if you allow yourself to start absorbing the stress of other people, and this is one of the key components of anybody who's successful at anything, show emotion without being emotional, right? Don't allow yourself to become their emotional sponge. That's going to give you an opportunity to give them better, frankly, well thought through advice and help them to see through their own raw emotions to making clear uh, decisions. This is really something that's critical if you ever want to transcend just being, you know, uh, a workaday agent. Well, so what is the action point for that? That would be my third point. 
about what you asked me, three things in coaching. Mm-hmm. And the third point is to start to try to over-communicate more than you ever have before. Lack of information, especially for sellers. Let's say you had an open house this weekend and it didn't sell. You didn't get a flood of offers. Do you think that seller is thinking good things about you or bad things about you? So that's you? actually a fourth point because the third point probably is monitoring yourself yes. so you don't become over-emotional yourself yeah. and so you can keep a level head and be a professional. Mm-hmm. And the fourth point was what you just said. Yes, try to massively over-communicate. You really can't over-communicate. I'm going to talk about it on the buyer side and the seller side. Because if you don't, they will absolutely fillet you. Absolutely. It will be your fault every time because you're an easy target. Right. So especially with lack of communication. So on the seller side in coaching, we have something called the sellers. I know this is shocking. 12 <laughs> week communication plan. Oh my God. You have to talk to him for 12 weeks. So let me explain exactly that. what to say. In premier coaching, we have a, a 12, a four month, you know, three month, four month program that you can then like, how am I supposed to communicate, communicate with my sellers? I don't want to take any more listings. I don't know how to deal with the ones I've got. Just follow our 12 week, week communication plan. It'll tell you what to say every single week. Uh, the script is there. The schedule is there. If you happen to have an assistant, you can actually delegate probably about 90% of that. But the point is you have to stay communicating. And it's really, I know veteran agents are completely gelling with what we're saying. Yeah. If you do not over communicate with your buyers and your sellers, I cannot understate how fast they're going to think that you are the devil. They will either ghost you or fire you. Yeah. And or they will, fire you and then ghost you. We're, we're, exactly. Because they're going to use you as the punching bag for all their uh, their emotions. They're, they're going to misdirect their... Remember, we were just talking about the omnipresent sense of stress. They're going to misdirect that towards you because you're the convenient target. Yeah. So what are the types of things that you can do to communicate with your sellers? One of the things we coach you to do is when you take a new listing... Set yourself up as if you're a buyer looking in that neighborhood. This is a good use of the, quote, drip system from your MLS. So that anytime a new listing comes up in the neighborhood you've got a listing in, you are notified. So the seller's not calling you saying, hey, what's the deal with this listing that's competing with me now? You can then be preemptive. So on those calls, you're doing several things. You're talking to the seller about things that have come up to compete against them, things that have sold while they've been on the market and some feedback from showings, what they can improve if it hasn't sold. So no communication with the seller is absolutely bad communication. You've And so why do they not call after, oh my gosh, the second weekend on the on the market? Because they run out of things to say. Well, let me, and so that's what the 12-week seller communication plan is. How about a fifth point? Sure. Uh, over-service the seller. Four, point four was over-communicate, point five is over-service the seller. What does that mean? Do open houses constantly, because here's what's happening. The market's shifting. Many agents that are in the business right now who maybe have enjoyed this nice buoyant market where they haven't had to do anything other than just breathe on the listing contract, drive through the drive through teller at the bank and basically, you know, cash it in. They didn't have to even wait for the closing to happen. Things were selling that fast. So what's going to happen now is those agents, many of those agents, they're going to be slow to react, slow to adjust to the market. They've never really had a very proactive, call it aggressive marketing plan to get listings uh, sold. Julie told you a story about Tammy in Virginia. Tammy's doing open houses. Tammy's going and hopefully letting, I know she is letting all the neighbors know, knocking on the doors, inviting the neighbors to a neighbors only open house that happens an hour before the normal open house. She's preparing the open house. She's going out of her way. She's you know gathering information. She's actually proactively working in that neighborhood. Now, if you're a seller or a would-be seller that's going to sell sometime in the next you know year or less, and you're seeing this Tammy Irby, who you might not even know, but you're seeing her work the snot out of that listing, and you haven't seen any agents working that aggressively in the past 10 years, obviously she's your gal. 
And Absolutely. That's, and that only happens in a transitioning market like this because a year or 18 months into the future, other agents will have figured out they actually need to work harder to get listings sold. Mm-hmm. They have to work harder to um, keep the seller happy over a longer period of time. Yep. And they're now they're gonna, that, that gap of essentially that service gap is going to be filled. But really what all these things that we're telling you guys uh, about, every single thing, over communicate, over service, the previous points, what these are is proactive lead generation. Because when you are doing an open house, you're meeting the neighbors. You're meeting prospective buyers, especially on a million-dollar house. What's the probability of someone having a million-dollar house not having a property to sell in Virginia? I mean, it's possible, but that's not likely a very uh, a first-time home buyer house. You know, so there you go. You're going to create transactions coming and going. So the moral of the story of what we're trying to share with you guys is this is an incredible time to be in the real estate market because of all these other things that people are worried about. Because you can be the calming voice in the storm. Because you're keeping your emotions in check. Because you know the facts and you know knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. Okay, so I'm going to circle back to communication with your what you believe to be your active buyers right now. So the first part of that is to prioritize buyers who are also your listings. So they're you know, if the listing doesn't sell, you're also going to lose the buyer side. So you always want to prioritize those double transaction people. But you, none of you should be working with buyers right now showing property this weekend or today if they are not in pre-approval status, but better than that, loan commitment pending just identification of the house. Why? Because some of you are showing property right now based on a buyer who was pre-qualified two months ago at a 4% rate or a 4.5% rate who now is going to actually close at five and a half, who may or may not be able to hack that payment. Meanwhile, the prices that they're looking at have gone up. If they do, if you have not had that conversation with somebody who has not locked in their rate back when they got pre-qualified, because remember, some of these buyers have been out there looking for houses with you guys forever, and they're either losing when they try to compete, or they haven't found anything, or, or you haven't t- found anything for a them. A lot of them have taken on other debt. That's right. So and they don't qualify as much at the and highest they may level not. anymore. And you don't want to find out once you're in contract that they no longer are qualified for what they and you thought they were qualified for. And lender overlays are coming back. So lender overlays are things where the lender actually raises the standards for who they're going to give mortgages Especially to. Especially credit right now. Totally. And so these are all the things. This is, again, the if you want to you know, full circle here, this is the reason we tell you guys to focus on being listing agents. But as far as like the buyers, we were mm-hmm. talking about that a second ago. We should do a podcast on that. Yeah. How to really decide which buyers you're going to be working with. But Julie said rule number one, if it's a buyer that has two transactions, if it's a seller that wants to buy something, that's the one you're going to prioritize. Mm-hmm. But there are other, you can work with a straight up buyer that doesn't have a house to sell, but you got to be so flipping careful who you're going to choose to spend your time with. And Julie said the re- number one rule, how they get had their entire loan approved the only thing that's still essentially subject to is going to be the appraisal of the subject property that they're going to end up buying. That That's called loan commitment. So remember, when a buyer is fresh, they go into pre-qualification, which really doesn't account for much. That's just a guesstimate of what they might be able to do. Okay, Pre-qualification, virtually worthless. Then you go to pre-approval, but once you're in pre-approval, they still haven't actually gotten through underwriting. So loan commitment is the new pre-approval, basically. It's what you said. It's usually pending only identification of the actual property, so they have a price to work with and an address, and most times the appraisal as well, depending on you know the situation, if they're going to waive it or not. So unless you have loan commitment, meaning that they have actually been through real underwriting and ideally also locked in their rate, 
then you, I don't know why you would show them something today. And many of the loan officers that are out there, unfortunately, won't have actually processed the file that far because what loan officers are coached and trained to do is not spend that much time with a borrower until the borrower is in contract on something. Whether the borrower can actually close on said property is not really their problem at the end of the day because they're saying, well, I'm not going to spend a lot of time working your file until you're in contract on something because then once you're in contract on something, you're actually more motivated to get me the paperwork that's necessary and maybe you'll take a, a slightly worse rate that might maybe result in a higher commission mm-hmm. for me, Mr. Loan Officer, because after all, you don't want to lose your house. I'm and, not... and by the way, you have to pay two points to get that. See what we're talking about here, guys? That's the reason you have to be incredible. Look, you can ask motivation questions until the cows come home. And we teach you to do that in the Premier Coaching Program. Mr. Seller, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, 10 being you drop everything and you do whatever it took to buy the house, and one being you're not interested at all. If I were to show you the property that met all your criteria, checked all your boxes, it was the perfect house for you. Where on a scale of one to 10, would you rate your motivation to purchase the house? Or if you don't like the word motivation, you can switch it out. Your willingness, your readiness, whatever it is. And if they don't say 10, which most of them won't, they're going to say seven. Frankly, that's not the buyer you should be working with. You say then seven, Mr. Seller or Mr. Seller, Mr. Buyer, that's fantastic. So Mr. Buyer, help me understand what would it take to get you to a 10? And then you're going to hear, well, we have, you know, this issue or that issue or... Or I have to buy it at 10% under market because I know the market is crashing. I'm or looking for crazy. a deal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get the point? If you do not heavily, aggressively... Now, why is this incredibly important? Because many of you are used to dealing with buyers who could fog a mirror in essence with if they had down payment and buy a house because the FOMO of not buying a house was greater than... I mean, that was motivating buyers now. And so, and as Julie said... That market cycle, you're now seeing a lot of buyers that weren't able or willing to perform in the old market. And now they're starting to say, well, finally, the prices are going to fall. Finally, I can beat up a seller. No, you can't. No, that was point number one. Yep. The market is shifting, not crashing. And for all of you, shifting means maybe you you only have to pay list price, not 5% over list price or 20% over list price. That is very different than coming in significantly under list price. We're not seeing that. By and large, I, I've seen very little of that. But some some bright sides to the shifting market, I am seeing some FHA deals get approved and accepted by a seller. I am seeing yep. people come in at list instead of over. Well, FHA deals yeah. and VA deals and government yeah. deals are typically something the seller in a super hot market is not going to want to take because the essentially the, the loan will have more fees that the seller will have to pay. And there's always an appraisal that ha- then lists a bunch stricter of repairs. Inspections. It's way stricter everything. Um, and so a lot of cases, the sellers, if they're having a choice between a cash buyer or somebody who's a VA buyer, they're going to go with a cash buyer. And that is now pivoting. Absolutely true. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of bright side to this market, but you do have to be very careful. And I, I think that of all of my calls, one of the common themes is what am I supposed to do about this truckload of buyers that I've been trying to find stuff for and really getting into pre-qualification of who is real and who's not? Because to your point, it is possible to be really qualified, but not that motivated. Right. It's also possible to be super motivated, but no longer qualified. You really have to do both in order to be justifying, you know, going to the effort of finding the house in the first place, which is hard enough as it is because we still have pretty low inventory, and then competing possibly, and then making sure you win. That's still a lot of work. All of the buyer's agents know that. But now you have to be even more careful because people that haven't locked in that rate, I think a lot of those buyers are thinking about a different payment on the same amount of money. How many of you listening right now 
emotionally think that you've got your year locked in because you've got whatever your number of buyers is and you're just confident half of those buyers or more than half of those buyers are going to buy something. Well, here's your assignment. A, go and pre-qualify every single one of them using our buyer pre-qualification script. Uh, B, make sure they're completely approved for their loan. The only thing the loan is still waiting for essentially is the subject, you know, a property to be identified. And lock the rate. And lock the rate, right. So, and if they're not willing to do those things, uh, on a regular, you have to requalify them on a regular basis because their lives can change. That's what happens with inflation. So maybe right now they're thinking, well, my job is secure. And they, you know, 30 days from now, maybe they're getting, you know, nervous about that. So you ask that one to 10 question. Maybe when you asked that question originally 30 days ago, they're like a 10. No, dude, I'm an 11. Well, now they're like, well, I'm an eight. And then you're going to ask, well, what would it take to get you to a 10? And they're going to say, well, I'm a little bit nervous about this. You guys get it. That does not happen with sellers. The weakest buyers are definitely drying up. One of the reasons, and I think you heard this report too, is that with higher groceries and higher gas prices, what are consumers doing? They're throwing it on their credit cards. Yep. And that, <clears throat> excuse me, that wrecks your ratios without even realizing it sometimes. So when you re-examine all of this, don't be surprised. And it's okay if you have buyers that are taking themselves out of the market, at least for now. They should be because they're stretching too much to begin with. They're not going to be able to close an appraisal gap. They're not going to be able to pay a point to get that interest rate, which qualifies them. So this is real. And I, I think it's kind of like the great requalification of buyers right now to see what really is left in the market. But the other thing is that because, again, we have low inventory and still in many markets, you're still competing, fewer offers, but very serious buyers, the ones who are going after it after rates have gone up and they know all of these facts and they're clear on this and they're highly motivated, the buyers you're competing against are quite serious. So you better have your act together and have that uh, you know, loan commitment or show that you've got all cash. Yeah, well, okay. And there, that's actually what I was just thinking. It used to be in many markets, if you didn't have an all cash buyer, you weren't necessarily going to be in a competitive a situation. Yes, that's still true in many markets. But now if you followed, and we haven't even obviously gone through all the rules with working with buyers. Uh, but if you followed the, just the few that we gave you on today's podcast, you're going to, when presenting a offer to a seller and the seller and the listing agent, you will most likely have to explain to the listing agent, because don't assume the listing agent's experienced either. You're going to have to explain to the listing agent what you're what you've done with the borrower and their loan. You're going to have to explain to them it's not mm -hmm. just a monkey business pre-qualification. It's an actual loan commitment only pending on, you know, basically the subject property being identified. When you do that, you will be essentially back in the ring even if you're competing against a cash buyer. That's right. And I'd give you an example of a type of buyer that probably you don't want to keep calling a buyer and chasing after. This is from a coaching call and I can't remember who it was with. Uh, but they were constantly following up this buyer, presenting new property, this and that. And, and the buyer said, you know what? I want to see everything that comes up. And the agent said, well, tell me more about your financing. Well, I'm not going to pursue financing until I find the house I want. That's not going to work. But how many agents out there would say, I'll work with them anyway? Absolutely. Like so 99% of them. 99%. So if that's your situation and the buyer is controlling you instead of following the rules of today's market, they are probably not that serious. So when, when we're talking about the buyer prequalification, who do you actually call a buyer? That's kind of a sliding scale for a lot of people. Yep. One of the things is they have to have realistic expectations and they have to be coachable by you and not be combative and say things like, well, you show me the house and then I'll get pre-approved. Well, again, it goes back to the rules. We really do need to do a series we'll do, of podcasts yeah. on working with buyers. because We've you wandered are, into that. I know. Well, we've done it on the last few podcasts. You noticed that? Yeah. Be, well, well they it, need it. 
Well, they do need it. And that is where, again, because it's the time of year and I just feel in my heart that there's, you know, tens of thousands of agents that listen to us every single day. And I just feel for the agents who are thinking that the rules that from last year and the year before are going to apply this year and they're not mm -hmm. going to make any money and right. they're going to suffer needlessly. Mm -hmm. And this is the time of year, as crazy as it is to say, if you're not thinking about the next six months, if you're not thinking about like where you're going to be in six months and focusing on being listing agents because you're so used to having some buyer leads and buyers easy closings and just the rest of it, you're going to be suffering not just in six months, but you might not make it back into the you know, the business, you might be washing yourself out because of the fact that you're taking too long to accept the fact that these changes that you intuitively know are happening are pivoting you towards being a listing agent and don't fight it. Don't think that you have to, you know, wait to suffer working with unmotivated buyers for, you know, next three or four years before you can actually become a listing agent. If you're a brand new agent, become a listing agent. Don't wait. This is one of the easiest times, easy with quotes, to uh, focus all your best energies on becoming a listing agent. And it really is. It is. Because it, of yeah. the fact that there's such a knowledge gap that's out there right now. Yes. Not only this, you need to make sure you're one of the strong because the strong don't just survive. They thrive. All, you know, there's such excitement amongst agents that get this. Yep. It's really exciting. I mean, well, this is when things, we, yeah. we we got into the business. Yeah. You and I bought our first transaction when we mm -hmm. were, it was right after a recession. Mm -hmm. You know, this was back in the early 90s. And, you know, when we started selling real estate full time, this was exactly the type of market it was. It was. And remember, too, that we were all excited to get a 7% interest rate yeah. because that was the lowest it's been in years. So there are, there are a lot of great things about this. But the, the other thing, the trend on the listing agent side is that sellers right now, because smart sellers are watching the market, they are watching comps, they are watching the news, and there is a seller's FOMO, seller's fear of missing out that maybe this is getting to be mm -hmm. a little bit on the top of the market. And, you know, I was thinking I was gonna wait six months to sell, but maybe I had to jump on this before there's more inventory, before there's more days on the market. So that's exciting. And I see that especially in the medium upper end, you know, like baby boomers selling their family homes or, you know, they're downsizing because they don't actually need 6,000 square feet now that the kids are out of the house. There's a lot of that going on. And the good news about that is that they are less payment sensitive. Many of them are already have already bought or built or already own something that they're downsizing to. So that's exciting. Those are great transactions and, and they are motivated because they just want to be done with it. So we're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today. Guys, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen da to daily podcasts for real estate professionals in at least the United States. Do go back and listen to our past podcast. You're gonna hear that Julie and I are incredibly consistent with our messaging. We're always telling you guys to really drill down, make sure you're focused on being of service to other people. But now, you know, like every time, but now more than ever, it's about doing what you don't wanna do when you don't wanna do it at the highest level. And identify what the things are that you don't wanna do. And for many of you, it's learning how to be a proactive lead generator. For many of you, it's learning how to be a powerful listing agent. Don't wait, because wherever you're resisting is where your growth needs to be. And I think it's clear right now where your growth needs to be. It's uh, focusing on being a powerful listing agent. Please do give us, Julie and I, in this podcast, a five-star review on iTunes, on Spotify. All of you have already done it. We certainly appreciate it. And all of you will be eligible to receive a um, signed copy of our best-selling book, Harris Rules. If you've not picked up our book, Harris Rules, it's available at Barnes & Noble, every major bookseller, and obviously on Amazon as well. It's also available on Audible. Thank you for continuing to make this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate professionals. We will talk with you tomorrow. You guys have a fantastic day. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.